On Ord Mantell, Laris makes contact with her next client, while Castian reckons with an unexpected character from his shady past. It is going to take you and Laris about four days to reach Ord Mantell Castian. Do you have anything that you do during that time? Castian has nothing in particular that he does other than occasionally read the letters from Cerise Nabella. But the thing that he definitely does is follow Laris. He hovers. If she's doing repairs, he's oddly offering to help. If she's sitting in the piloting seat, he's sitting in the co-piloting seat. He's clearly watching her to make sure she's not glitching. And every time she kind of freezes up or pauses or like, you know, thins her lips to consider something, he's like... Uh, is everything fine? Um, <clears throat> can I assist you in any way? I require no assistance. Fantastic. Oh, of course, of course. Keep on going about your business. And Castian is going to raise the Gamorian Gambit issue five up and continue reading the same page that he's been reading for the past hour. Where are you at when you are sitting and, and reading this? In the co-pilot seat. After a little while, you feel someone watching you. And you lower your book just enough to see Skitter sitting in front of you. Oh, I... Okay, first off, how did I not hear you? Cassian looks down at his feet and glowers. They usually are uh, the telltale signs that Skitter's approaching. But apparently Cassian wasn't paying attention this time. Apparently your reading material is quite intriguing. It is a very good book. It's a fine book. I don't need anyone judging me for it. Thank you very much. What do you need? You are in my seat. You are not the co-pilot. I thought you were the... Uh, Laris, what job does he have? He is the quartermaster. You're the quartermaster. That's not a that's not a title of the first officer, second officer. Is it, is, am I the first officer or the second officer? I've always wondered that. It's uh, am I the number? Two? I am the number two, but does that make me the first officer? No, it doesn't matter. I'm the co-pilot. Do you know how to pilot, sir? Castian stares at him for a second. And says, "I I've piloted before. Thank you very much. I've 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 Laris, tell him I piloted." Bone actually answers. Okay, that's enough about you. I have, I'll have you know, I've completed several training simulations with very high marks. Oh, I don't even want the seat anyway, Castian says as he sits up and storms off and sits down in the navigation seat. And then he turns away and leans back, but the navigation seat's never as, like, it's not as comfortable and after a while of it just squeaking as he's trying to get comfortable, he stands up and he's like, I'm going to my room. <clears throat> Boom. And he leans forward. Keep an eye on Laris. And then he's storming off to his room. As you walk away before the bridge doors close, you hear Skitter approach Laris. Is the seat taken, ma'am? No, it is yours. Of course it's his. Why, this whole ship is his, apparently. I'm going to Skitter's room, I'm sure. And Castian mumbles as he sl- closes his door. Flops into his bed and then continues reading his Gamorrean Gambit, Issue 5. And after a couple of days of that, you are approaching the Bright Jewel system, which contains Ord Mantell. Ord Mantell has been infamous for a generation as a haven for the Black Sun Crime Syndicate, but since a pitched battle during the Clone Wars, the planet has been struggling to attract attention from almost anyone else. It has been stripped of most of its resources and has difficult mountainous terrain, which means it is great for crime syndicates who are trying to hide out and not great for much of anything else. 
Castian's just kind of nodding along as Bone is chirping at him. He's not, you know, Bone's giving him an, the itinerary of this planet, and he's not really paying attention to the wrist uh, reader. Instead, he is on Gamorian Gambit uh, issue eight, and he's like, "Yeah, of course, of course, oh, Bella, Bella, come on now, please." Uh, yeah, yes, of course I'm paying attention. You were talking about Ord Mantel, and it's... I mean, we've been here before, like, three years ago? Oh, two years ago, as if it makes a difference. We were here, it was it was fine, it was fine. And he stands up and does a quick stretch before heading out of uh, the room, Bone following him, and he's moving towards the cockpit. And when you enter the cockpit, Laris looks up. Ah, it is good to see you. I was about to call you. Are we, uh, when are we leaving hyperspace? In one minute. Okay, fantastic. And what are we picking up this time? Uh, please not nerves. Please not nerves. Mentelian whiskey. Ooh, Mentelian. That's a... Oh. And how insistent are they that they get all their barrels when we drop it off? Very. It was a joke. I'm not going to steal from you and drink their whiskey, though it is very good from what I hear. It is very important that all of my cargo reach its destination. I'm I'm going to behave myself. That The only time we missed cargo is that one time when that nerf got too close to me, and I was very apologetic. It startled me. The whiskey will not startle you. Th then you have nothing to worry about, Castian says as he stuffs the Gamorrean Gambit issue 8 into the chair's pocket, and he leans forward in the navigation chair. All right, I'm ready here for the scanners. Dropping out of hyperspace in three... Two. As you come out of hyperspace, you see the pink clouds of Ord Mantell glowing faintly in the blackness of space. Hmm, just as we remember it. You also see an orbit around the planet, an Imperial Deep Dock. I'm picking up Imperial signals. Uh, slow down if you can. Slowing. Castian's like leaving the navigation area because they have terrible scanners. They used to have great scanners, but this ship has terrible scanners. So he just leans forward over the uh, pilot's chair and squints towards what looks to be a deep dock. Yes. So a deep dock is a mobile shipyard capable of traveling through hyperspace. But other than its hyperspace engines, it doesn't have a ton of mobility. So it can jump in and out of hyperspace to evade any problems that it might be facing, but once it's in a system, it mostly is reliant upon the gravity pulls of the planet or the stars. So it is a skeletal structure like scaffolding, and it can adjust in order to fully enclose ships that range in size from an Imperial patrol craft to a star destroyer. In addition to not having a ton of engine power when it's in normal space, you know that deep docks generally also do not have offensive capabilities. And also, it is in your luck that currently this does not seem to have a ship docked in it. Interesting. What need would a planet like Ord Mantell have with an Imperial deep dock? Do we know who owns this planet? Bone rolls up to you and gives an impertinent beep. I, I was paying attention. Yeah, of course, of course, it was, it's Black Sun. I mean, they might have made a deal for the Empire to give them a foothold in the Outer Rim. It's possible. It seems insane to me, but it's possible. While the criminal syndicate is known to have quite the presence on Ord Mantel, it is technically under Imperial rule. Well, everything's under Imperial rule, really, but... That is not true. There's, there's truth, and then there's truth. In truth be told, if the Imperials wanted a deep dock in the system, there is really no planet that could have said no. Is it going to be a problem? Are they, are they trying to communicate with us? Checking communication systems. 
No, currently no attempts are being made to signal us. Let's just land. But but, but fly inconspicuously. I, I don't know, Bone. I'm, I just, you know, fly straight. Don't look suspicious. Oh, okay. I'm sorry that I'm trying to be helpful here. And Castian returns to the navigation chair and flops down. Let's see if Laris can fly inconspicuously then. So we'll make this a space piloting roll with two advantages. Laris flies inconspicuously. Doing good, Laris. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're just... And, and they don't even have any, like, Imperial ships at the deep dock. So we're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We are totally fine. Absolutely fine. 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 We are receiving a communication from the spaceport. Okay. What do they got to say? They're requesting our credentials and giving us clearance to land. Castian walks up towards where their credentials transmitter is at. And it, already they've removed the actual credentials of, of the Howling Gundark. And he grabs a box nearby, opens it up, and it's kind of like he has like a bunch of 8-track cassette tapes. And he pulls out a couple, looks them through, and says, What are we going for? Bounty hunter, smuggler, or professional pilots? And he clicks it into the transmitter, and she sends it away. And we are known as the Astro Nugget. This is the Astro Nugget. Um, we bought this from that Devorian scrap dealer, and he said that the uh, the Nugget disappeared about oh, five years ago. But before that, I had a very clean record. Uh, oh, uh, and it is out of uh, Corellia. The credentials are sent off, and after a minute. There is a familiar beep as it is all accepted and you are given the all clear to land. All right. All right. How long are we going to be on the planet side? It should only be a few hours. No, oh, I might go out and get something to eat. No offense to Skitter, but his cooking is awful and I cannot survive any longer on dried noodles. How dare you, sir? I will dare what I like. Well, I shall continue sitting in my comfortable seat. It's not your seat. It is now. As Laris lands the Astro Nugget in the Ord Mantel spaceport, it is near the city center, and this part of Ord Mantel City shows no signs of being a Clone Wars battlefield just 20 years ago. Traffic coming into the spaceport is quite slow, so you are able to get to your landing pad without any sort of weight, and uh, you are immediately met by a young, grimy boy who must be only 15 or 16 years old, who is eager to do any repairs that you might need. Do you deal with him, or does Laris, or does Skitter? Castian's going to hover behind Laris to uh, see what she's going to do, but he's going to be there because he's just want to make sure she's fine, that she's comfortable. Castine's a comforting presence. It's a routine interaction. The kid isn't suspicious in any way. He isn't threatening in any way. So it's a quick exchange of credits. And there's just some routine maintenance that needs to be done on the Astro Nugget. He's going to wait for the kid to run away and then looks towards Laris. Are you going to need me or can I go out and stretch my legs for a little while? If you wish, of course, you may go elsewhere. Do you wish to meet the contact or should I do that on my own? Are they coming right now? I am supposed to go meet them. Castian checks his chronometer and then looks towards her. Where are you meeting him at? Near the edge of the city in the warehouse district. Yes, we can go there. And hey, we can take uh, Bone's new uh, ride. Laris turns to Bone. Would that be acceptable with you? Bone gives a beep of affirmation. What do you mean I'm not allowed to drive? She's allowed to drive, but not me? I am a qualified pilot, sir. I, okay, I have, I have never crashed 
Uh, okay, okay. You don't. I know what that means when you beat that much. You're laughing. You're laughing. Okay, you just keep rolling away. And Castian looks towards her and is like, I, you know, I can drive. And then it smashes cuts to Castian with his arms crossed in the passenger side seat as, of course, Laris is driving. It's ridiculous. You know, an Imperial Inquisitor. Bounty hunter, now Jedi. Can't drive, apparently. You are not a Jedi, sir. Okay, we're not starting that conversation. Just drive. We should keep it quiet anyway. And she looks over uh, out of the corner of her eye, and you follow her gaze, and you do see three stormtroopers on patrol. Castine just kind of locks his gaze forward as they just slowly pass the stormtroopers, acting like everything's fine. And the stormtroopers don't pay you any notice. They're not actively searching for anything. They're just making sure everyone knows that there is an Imperial presence on this planet. Don't get any smart ideas. I know we were here two years ago, but I don't remember them having such an Imperial presence on the streets. I mean, the only issues we dealt with was the thugs that were occasionally patrolling. There have been many instances of violence happening on exactly planets like this. According to the Holonet, there have been reports of planets completely overthrowing Imperial rule. Oh, yes, yeah, that's what people say just to sell news, trust me. The Senate is just trying to shake their sabers to, to remind Palpatine who's really in charge. The Senate's going to deal with it. Eventually, Palpatine's going to bow down to whatever demands they might have, and this little charade will continue. As you leave the city center on Bones Land Speeder, Ordman tells status as a former war zone becomes more apparent. Blaster burns still mark some buildings, while others are piles of rubble that have been picked over for salvage, but the worthless stone and brick have been left. Out of place among the ruins are the occasional well-dressed man or woman head down avoiding eye contact with the obvious less fortunate people living in the decrepit reclaimed buildings. As they drive by, Castian looks up briefly and spots a little boy, uh, black hair, dirty as can be, more skin and bones than muscle. And they have a moment where Castian just stares at him and he stares back at Castian as they, they pass each other. And for just a flicker of a moment, Castian sees a very similar looking boy, but this boy has his eyes wide open in fear as he falls down into a dark chasm. And Castian, like, kind of winces a little bit and looks away, and then just focuses on the road ahead of him. Castian, your nerves are on edge after passing the boy. Can you give me a vigilance roll? Average difficulty with one upgrade. Three successes. Someone is following you. There is a speeder bike that is following you. It's ducking in and out of alleys, so it's difficult for you to actually see them, but you know that it's there. It's just one speeder bike, one person who's heavily cloaked, so you certainly can't see their face. Laris? Yes, sir. I think we're being followed. That is unfortunate. My contact did request discretion. That's all right. Um, see this cart over there selling those rat-looking things? Indeed. Uh, pull over, I'll get out, act like I'm hungry, and you continue forward. Contact me if they are following you. I'll see if they're actually just looking for me. Okay? Do you wish me to stay nearby as backup, sir? Uh, no, I'll be fine. Give me the address of where you're meeting. She gives you the information. I have not seen a stormtrooper for several minutes, but still it would be best that you do not use your weapon of choice. Of course, don't worry. As a, and he pauses, as she gives him a knowing look, a religious individual, somewhat, I don't need to use my weapons when dealing with others. I'll be fine. All right, sir. And she stops in front of the 
peddler's cart. Yeah, Castian steps out, slaps the side of the land speeder as if it was a taxi, and just watches as she drives off. And then he turns, and Castian's going to uh, talk to the peddler, but honestly, he's here just to buy a little bit, like, of food. And like I said, he's selling roasted rat things. And oh, yeah, Castian's going to grab it. And as he's chewing at the uh, side of this rat, it's actually pretty good. Uh, he's keeping an eye to see if he sees that person if he followed Laris, or if he stayed behind to like, keep an eye on Castian. And with three successes, you don't need to roll again. This is continuing to be part of your original vigilance roll. There's definitely no one following Laris. You don't see the speeder bike, however. You do see somebody in robes with a hood walk out of a alley. It's not a beeline towards you, but... You've spent time as a bounty hunter. You know the ways of following somebody without making it look like you're following them. So that's exactly how this person is acting. As they're walking in your direction, but then stop to tie their shoe and they keep walking. And then, oops, they almost got hit by some traffic, but they dodge out of the way to get closer to you. Castine is going to pull out his communicator, activate it, and mumble into it towards Laris. He's on me. I'll meet up with you at the warehouse when it's dealt with. The figure continues to move towards you. He's a couple of meters away at most. He's on the larger side, kind of squat, you know, very wide and stout. Uh, you still can't make out any features, however. Yeah, Castian's going to move over to a peddler, and I'm going to spend a destiny point. And this peddler is selling, he must have found some chandelier that hadn't been completely broken, so he's selling the little crystals. They're very reflective, and Castian's going to be acting like he's like looking at them and considering and making talk as the person's trying to sell these, you know, he's made some jewelry out of these crystals. But really, Castian's just watching a large shard as this being is getting closer to him. All right, then. Why don't you roll me cool? And can I have a boost die because of my crystal idea? Yes, I will give you a boost die. Two successes, two advantages. He rolled as good as he could, and he got one success and one advantage on his one single die. Way to go, buddy. But obviously you have the higher cool, so you have the higher initiative. As you're watching the figure approach in the crystal's reflection, you see that he is about to leap on you to try to tackle you to the ground. You don't see a weapon. It looks like he wants to just grab you. As the guy is leaping towards him, Castian is going to try to use that guy's momentum to throw him into this cart. All right. Is that a brawl or is it an athletics? I think it's going to be a brawl. Average difficulty. No defense. I got one threat. Oh. So you've kept your back towards this figure as he's trying to sneak up on you. And he gets his arms around your shoulders and you get your hands on his arms and you are ready to throw him over your shoulder. But he's way heavier than you anticipated. This figure, whatever species he is, or maybe he's got rocks in his coat. You're not sure, but you completely underestimate how much force it would take in order to throw him over your shoulder. So instead, you're just holding him in place right where he wants to be, apparently. I have you just where I want you. Oh, I don't think so. The figure wraps his arms around your shoulders. You're in a bear hug now at this point, and he just bends backwards, pulling you back along with him, trying to smash your head into the dirt and rubble. I have one defense in melee. So he gets four successes <laughs> and one threat. 
However, that threat is canceled out because he has the special ability of brute strength, so he gets to add an advantage to all brawn-related skill checks. So that is going to be eight damage. I soak four of that. All right. And so my wounds are down to 15. So I smash down into the ground. My entire body just is racked with pain. Is he still clinging on to me? Yes. Castian is going to try to... He can't get to his belt where his like weapons are at because the guy has a bear hug. So Castian's going to raise his boot and then he's going to... Instead of actually trying to use Brawl, because I'm not great at Brawl, Castian is going to use the force move object on his foot to slam it down into the man's groin. Interesting strategy. Because if this guy's this muscular, he's going to need as much force as he can to make this hurt. But um, So that is a discipline roll, I think? Yes. Make sure you're rolling a force die. I got one light side. There you go. And I got three successes. So that would be seven points of damage. Castian slams his foot down onto the man's groin, <laughs> hoping that loosens his grip. That's a really good shot. This is also somebody that has a lot of stamina, so he actually has six soak. You only do one damage. It does loosen his grip around your shoulders, but he's going to try to grab you by your neck now before you can stand up. So he gets two successes and two advantages, giving you six damage, plus he has the knockdown quality when he's using his fists, so you are knocked prone as he picks you up by your neck, even though he's still flat on his back, and he throws you into that peddler's cart. And a shower of crystal just crashes down over your head. Okay, so I take two points of damage from that. Castian, like, it lays on the ground, just breathing heavily as he's just not used to this much muscle going at him. And now he's trying to get a good look at this man. Who is this man? Is it a giant droid? Because that's what it feels like at this point. It is not a giant droid. The figure sits up to see his handiwork as you crash into the crystal peddler's cart and his hood falls backwards. And you see that he is a hauk, a kind of amphibious sort of humanoid creature who are known to be very portly and squat. They have three fingered hands. Uh, they don't have any hair on top of their head, kind of almost a frog mouth. Oh, what, what do I have to spend to get another maneuver? Plus two strain. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, the plus two strain so I can stand up as one maneuver and pull out my blaster as another, and then I'm going to fire at the man. Yes. And I am going to be using stun setting. Castian is more prone to use stun settings now that he's a Jedi. Not a Jedi. That's one success. That's six damage. Your stun bolt hits him square in the chest. Perfect shot. Great job, Castian. Except the Hulk man just looks down at his chest at the scorch mark now in the center of his robe. I like this one. And he just gives a guttural scream as he is going to run at you, trying to like tackle you with his shoulder. So he's got two advantages. He has a failure. He has a triumph. His meaty shoulder connects with your midsection, knocking the breath out of you as you are plowed forward into a wall and through the wall. 
As I said, you're in a older section of Ord Mantel that hasn't seen the revitalization that the city center has seen. So this is a decrepit building that probably was gonna fall over in a stiff wind. So while the breath is knocked out of you, you have some scrapes, there's detritus in your hair. You're not actually injured from this. But the two of you crash through this wall into the center of a cantina. The band that was playing stops up short as the collected patrons all jump up from their tables, step back, sounds of disgruntlement as their afternoon has been interrupted by this brawl. Casting is just carried until he slams into like the bar, his back feeling like it's almost going to break with the force of it finally stopping there on the corner. Do I still have my blaster pistol? No, you don't. Those two advantages mean your blaster pistol is somewhere in the rubble. Uh, uh, Castiad is fighting as this person is absolutely choking the life out of him, or again, squeezing the life out of him. Angela, I'm going to flip another destiny point. Castiad is able to get one arm out, and he is hitting the side of this Hulk's head, but that's not doing anything. And then he notices a sizzling sound to the side of him. He looks over and he notices like, it looks like there's a small like uh, oil cooking center right next to him. And they're grilling up again, probably more of like that rat chunks. Deep fried rat. Deep fried rat. And Cassian's going to reach out and just dunk it right onto the guy's head. Okay, let's do this. So this would be, this would technically be melee. Two advantages, two successes, and a triumph. Boom. Eight damage plus a triumph. So Castian absolutely dunks this hot oil onto this thing's, like not right in his face, like not in his eyes, but the back of his head and his shoulders. That's as good as Castian can hit him with. And I'm going to say that since you are using hot oil, he's not able to soak this. Nice. Do you want to use your triumph to affect the dice rolls or do you want to use your triumph to give him a critical injury? Castian is taking the fight to this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to upgrade my next attack okay. for me. All right. The Hulk takes a moment to pull his robe over his head, getting the, the sizzling hot oil off of him as much as he can, and then is going to bring his two fists together over his head and is trying to basically whack-a-mole you, bringing both fists down on the top of your head. And you're upgrading your next attack, not his difficulty. Four successes and one advantage as those two meaty fists thunk right down on top of your head. Eight damage. All right, this guy slams me on the side of the head and Castian stumbles back. And for a second, it looks like he had got his bell rung. And a couple of the patrons, there's a large gasp as they, they think maybe Castian's face is probably caved in from the loud crack that just kind of echoes through the air. And then Castian just slowly turns back towards the man and He's going to clench his own fist since he no longer has his pistol on him. Casting's just going to nail the man right in the face. He's going to upgrade his brawl attack to two yellow and a green. So this is when Castian's going to start punching this man. One success this time, one triumph. All right. Four damage to him. So with just four damage, that doesn't normally overcome his soak. 
However, I can make that the advantage from your triumph if you'd like. Yes. Okay. He's just taking four more points of damage of right into his face. Okay, so you just give him a good uppercut to the jaw and his head swings to the side. There's a, a, another cracking sound. He's not down yet, but he's definitely hurt. As his face comes back to look at you, a sneer on this frog-like countenance as he just tries to hulk himself up into an imposing form as he just kind of pulls himself up to his full height and just sneers at you, wiping some slimy green blood from his mouth. You took my brother. What? Who the hell are you? And he is just once again trying to Old West style tackle you over the bar, trying to push you back over it. One success, one triumph. I think he got five damage on me then? Yes. So I still I take eight. Right? This guy's doing pretty damn good. So I know. Eight points of damage. So what's... Uh, he's going to use his triumph to upgrade your difficulty. Your bell is starting to ring at this point as he knocks you back over the bar. Bottles start crashing down. So now you're becoming slick and sticky with various liquors as uh, they shower down on you. They fly over the bar, and then you see casting kind of pop up and try to elbow drop into this guy. I got four successes and one advantage. So that's seven points of damage. The rest of the cantina patrons just see the two of you popping up periodically. Someone grabs a bottle to smash it over the other one's head. Both of you disappear down. Then the other one suddenly has the advantage, pulls more glasses down, crashing them. And it's very Bugs Bunny-ish as the two of you keep popping up, trying to get the advantage over the other. And each time we pop up, we continue the argument, like, what are you talking about, your brother? And Castian disappears. Two years ago, you took my brother from me. Castian stands up and pops him across the jaw. The guy grabs him, slams him down on the ground again. And then Castian pops up and says, like, oh, my God, that's a hell of a callback. And he gets grabbed and dragged down and slams down. And then the guy stands up. The the hawk pops back up. He grabs a tray of food from one of the, the patrons at the bar to crash the plate down on top of your head. He was my only family left and you took him from me! Uh, Castian, uh, he stands up and like has the guy's head in his hands and he slams his knee a couple times in the man's face. But again, this is not, this man can absolutely take several hits until finally Castian is just exhausted and falls to the side and says, I was a bounty hunter. Your brother's a, sl- a slave. I was paid to take him down. He'll just try and feed his kids. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was just trying to feed my kids. You didn't even ask. Ask what? If he had kids? No, I shot at him because he threw me through a wall. Just like our pa taught us. Yeah, like your pa taught you in Castian. Don't you speak bad about my paw. Oh God, not again. Casting his thrown <laughs> over, slamming uh, into like a table. These people are scurrying out now as this fight is just continuing on. And people have blasters, but they're not going to get in the middle of a fight of two people, that hawk and the man who actually stands up to a hawk in a fist fight. So it just empties out. And for a good five, ten minutes, it's just crashing. He's breaking. Uh, Finally, there's just silence. And that peddler that had lost his cart from the chandelier kind of peeks on in and 
Castian is leaning heavily into a booth. His entire like hair's messed up. His, his shirt's ripped open. The Hulk's like on like on chair on the opposite side, bloodied, beaten, burned, and they're both just kind of eagerly swigging from bottles of broken brandy. Okay. Right, okay. I think. I think what we're gonna do is this. We'll stop the fight, and you will admit that I had an economic incentive to bring in your brother, but I will admit that you, you, that your brother was a very bad man, and people had the right to pay me, though it was rude of me not to ask if there was anybody that he needed to take care of before I brought him in. And they're just kind of negotiating an apology at this point. If that's okay with you. Yeah, sure. So he's not trying to kill me. At this point, we just beat each other up. Finally, after 30 minutes, Castian is just going to walk out, beaten the hell up. His face is swollen, and he's just walking towards a young teenager who has, like, a speeder bike. And Castian flips him a credit and says, Can you take me to the warehouse district? We smash cut to you, Castian, walking through the warehouse district. This is rows upon rows, streets upon streets of nondescript warehouses, some of which are better kept than others, but all of them show signs of wear and tear, whether from war damage or just age. However, the warehouse that Laris directed you to approach is a well-maintained older building that seems to have managed to escape bearing the scars of war, and it is also the only one that has guards posted. Castine's approaching the guards, again, still swollen and beaten. The guards are both feline men, and the feline are a warrior race, is what they they tend towards, that's our our stereotype of them. Green-skinned humanoids that have high foreheads and often long black hair that is pulled up in different ornate styles. And the two of them look at you with obvious disgust and disdain as this beaten, bloodied, staggering person who reeks of alcohol is coming towards them. Keep moving. We have nothing for you here. I'm here for Captain Jane. I'm her co-pilot. The two of them look at each other and they start laughing, openly mocking you. Anyone that would allow you anywhere near a ship isn't going to see the other side of that hyper jump alive. <clears throat> Keep moving. Castine just kind of nods his head, wipes the blood off his lips before looking towards the two of them. And when he looks down, he is just a weak, broken man. But then he raises his gaze and he's using fearsome on them. I just had a fist fight with a hawk, and I'm still walking. Imagine what I can do to you, gentlemen. And I'm using fearsome. The two guards looked very smug as you lowered your gaze. And when you raised your gaze, all the fight went out of them as they rolled two failures against your fearsome check. The shorter one, who hadn't been talking as much, he just is shaking a little bit as he nods like, go, go, go ahead, go ahead. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Let him go. No, we're not supposed to. Just let him go. Cassian's just going to march right on through. Feeling a little smug before kind of catching himself and wincing and then shaking his head, mumbling, it's not the way, it's not the way, you should have done that a little bit more passive. And he's walking into the warehouse. 
But as he passes like a metal surface of like one of the doors, he catches a glimpse of himself and then slowly kind of tries to get his hair back into place and adjust his shirt. But again, he's still walking in there looking like a man who tried to make himself look better after drinking all night and falling down the stairs. But yeah, he's, he's moving towards Lara to see if he can find her. Yes, the interior of the warehouse is a large, wide open space. There is a second level that's on scaffolding. So there is a second level here, but it's just around the perimeter. So it is a fully open warehouse. It goes another 20, 30 feet above your head. It's a very large warehouse that holds two pallets of whiskey. And standing in front of those two pallets are Laris and a very well-dressed feline man. He is tall with green skin and prominent lumpy ridges that rise above his eyes and extend back over half of his head to meet his receding hairline of gray and black streaked ponytail. He's not trying to interrupt, but I'm sure he does when he steps up next to Laris. It's not when you step up next to Laris, you're still about six feet away. When both Laris and the Feline man wrinkle their noses and are looking around for why it smells like a distillery has walked in to their whiskey warehouse. And they look towards Castian and he uh, carefully folds his hands behind his back before clearing his throat. <clears throat> the um, asteroid nugget is, is, is prepped, ma'am. Hello. The man suddenly looks a little concerned as he looks from Laris to you and back to Laris. Well, Captain Jane, are, uh, is this man with you? Yes. Yes, he is. Uh-huh. Are you sure that my whiskey is going to be safe with this, uh, <laughs> gentleman? It's, it's not what it looks like. I, I just happened to crash into a cantina. Sir, why I, did you I, crash I, no, into... I wasn't... I didn't I didn't mean it that way. I, this is not what it looks like. I, I fell into a cantina. But not, not because I was... I wasn't drunk or anything. I just... I was I was walking and doing my business and I was attacked by a, a hawk and, and, and we just happened to crash into this cantina and there was a, a waitress spilled some bottles on me and I, I, I swear I haven't been drinking. I, I did drink a little bit afterwards because, uh, you know, after a fight, you have to drink a little bit to get the blood, the taste of blood out of your mouth. But I, I assure you, I, I assure you, I will not be allowed anywhere near the whiskey at all. Oh, Captain Jane, I, I don't know if I like the sound of this. We are looking for a, a courier of, of good repute, and, and here you have a, a drunken layabout who gets into cantina fights with you. I, the fight really just kind of found me. It, it's Okay, I, I heard that when I said that. It's. I assure you, Azores, this is an anomaly. And you see Laris's eye twitch, as you know. That's a lie. You get into a lot of fights, Castian. Um, it's an anomaly, sir. I, I, I do apologize for my presentation. I will stand a little further that way. And Castian's just going to leave them to negotiate. This was a bad idea coming here. He should have taken a shower or something. <laughs> the negotiations continue between the man Azores and Laris. You can tell just from your limited interactions with him that he seems to be... An easygoing, jovial type, and there had been no tension in this warehouse before you entered. 
now you can tell absolutely he is disturbed. However, it does seem that Laris has him over a barrel to an extent, as the shipment is time sensitive. You hear him explaining that the conditions weren't quite right at the distillery, so the bottling of this Mantellian whiskey had been delayed, and that's why they missed their normal exporting window and their normal exporter. So they're already delayed, and finding somebody else to come in at this late date would just lead to more and more delays. So he negotiates Laris down in price a little bit more because... You know, he needs some insurance that everything is going to get there in one piece, not drunk or broken. But ultimately, Laris does make the deal. And he does say, as he clasps her hand and shakes it, and he's like, <laughs> honestly, Captain Jane, I, I must admit that uh, wasn't very fond of our, our last exporter. <laughs> Not as charming as you are. And he raises her hands to his lips to give it a kiss. And you see Laris's eye twitch once more. Been uh, <laughs> meaning to find a, a new partner anyway, and uh, should this work out? And he gives a pointed look over to you, standing off to the side. I think this could be the start of <laughs> a beautiful relationship. Indeed, sir, is all Laris says. When Azores lets Laris's hand go, he steps aside and indicates the two pallets of Mantellian whiskey. Each pallet is filled with 50-liter bottles, carefully packaged. The pallets themselves are thick industrial pallets. They've got to be a good foot-thick pallets. And they are so thick because they have built-in repulsor lifts. So you are able to actually hook these just to the back of the land speeder, and you certainly can't go fast, but it doesn't take any additional effort to get them back to the spaceport. As we're driving, there's a long silence before Castian looks towards her and says, I, I think I, I might have <clears throat> not put my best foot forward, but I assure you this wasn't my fault. I was attacked by a hawk over the fact that I might have, you know, bounty hunted his brother two years ago when I was here. Sir, I believe it is best if we just focus on getting the shipment back to the Howling Gundark, the Astro Nugget, the Nuna Egg, the serial number, the... Hey, 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 hey. Cassian's reaching forward to make sure she doesn't crash this land speeder. Just try to keep us straight. It says, hey, 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 calm down. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Just take deep breaths. Laris, deep breaths. We just have to get these pallets back to the ship, and then we can just take a very calm flight to wherever we need to deliver these for, to. Do we, do we, where do we need to deliver these to? Just focus on, focus on the logic. Where are we taking these to? Your land speeder is approaching the spaceport again, just as Laris is about to tell you, we are to deliver these pallets to... Stormtroopers, step in front. Halt. Laris has her wits about her enough to immediately stop the land speeder. So it's like a checkpoint into the city? Yes. Okay. The three stormtroopers approach. One stays at the forefront of the land speeder. One goes to your side. One goes to Laris. The one approaching Laris demands her identification and reason for approaching Ord Mantell City. You see once again Laris's eyes beginning to twitch. And I'm going to have Laris roll cool. See if she can keep her wits about her. And because this is a very 
tricky situation for Laris. I am upgrading the difficulty of this roll. It was already going to be hard, and those are now upgraded. Laris rolled one success. Nice. And a despair. No. Castian looks at her and just feels that she has this. That's what you wish was happening, Castian. As Laris just snaps her attention to the stormtrooper at her side and says, How dare you interfere with the operations of the Imperial Security Bureau? I am Agent Laris, serial number 358B42. And this is, and she is about to say your name, Castian. I I don't think that is, we don't need to give them all the information, uh, Laris. Castian Saya. I, mm, mm, mm. Yes, I am Castian Saya, serial number 289-5236. I am sure you are aware of the Imperial... Deep dock up in space, and we, uh, and of course the security threat that that that's comes with having such a delicate and important structure over this planet, and we are here to, gentlemen, to uh, <clears throat> just to make sure that everything is on the up and up, and that everything is secure and uh, working with tip-top shape. And you know how upper management is, though. They asked us to pick up some uh, a little bit of gifts for them on the way there. I you hope you understand. So uh, if it's all right with you, uh, just wave us on through. We'll get back to the ship, take this up to the deep docks where our security management is waiting, and we'll just continue on our way. Gentlemen, great job. This is exactly what the Imperial army is looking for people who knows what to look for, when to stop people, and when to stop asking questions. So congratulations to you. Um, uh, and uh, I'm sure my, my fellow agent, Laris, thinks the same. Isn't that right, Laris? Laris turns to you, and her face goes slack. And her eyes flutter backwards, and she passes out. Castian just takes a very long pause before turning his head towards the troopers, then back towards Laris. And then he gets annoyed. Look what you did! You 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 understand that these cybernetic assistants, agents, are very delicate instruments, and now you just came just just you just rattled her. What is your serial number? Uh, sir, I, I don't think we need to, to go that far. Are you telling me, an Imperial Security Officer, how to do my job? Sir, serial number L... Just wasting my time at this point. And Castian is going to stand up, slam the uh, the door of the land speeder shut as he walks around, pushes Laris over into the passenger's side, look at the stormtroopers and say, and to think I congratulated you on a good job. You're lucky I'm not going to your superiors about this. And Castian gets into his land speeder and just drives. He's just driving at this point. Do they start shooting? Let's see. All right, so roll me deception versus two reds, one purple. Two threats, but one triumph. I'm just going to bank those threats for later. The one that was standing in front of the land speeder steps aside immediately. The two that had been at the sides, they step back to give you plenty of space. They actually even direct a little bit of traffic here as there's some foot traffic, some other speeders coming in and out, and they hold up everything so that you have a straight shot back to the spaceport. Yeah, Castian is, he's not trying to floor it. He is right on the speed limit. Like he's trying to go as fast as possible, but trying not to get pulled over. 
while also trying to reach over and to see if Laris has a pulse, if she's breathing, anything like that. And and if she does, trying to wake her up, saying, Laris, Laris, this is, we just, this is a bad thing. Such a bad, I hate this planet. I hate Ord Mantel. Add it to the list. It's a giant list, but I want this one at the top of the list. Laris is non-responsive, still alive, still breathing, still has a, a steady pulse, but slow, but otherwise does not respond to your panicked monologue. Uh, Castian is getting to the ship as quickly as possible. They have a, a, a small medical bag there that maybe help him figure out what's going on. And he's going to park right in front of the ship and pick up Laris and just run in there. Skitter is at the top of the loading ramp. Sir, ma'am, I wish to report the impertinence of the- Not right now. Where's the medical bag? It is in the galley, of course. Castian is going to uh, run out, but then he's going to pause because he knows this is important to Laris, too. He's going to turn around towards Skitter and say, Get everything on the palace into the ship immediately, and then we're taking off as soon as possible. Tell Bone to get us into space ASAP. Skitter raises one of his spider legs to salute. Yes, sir. Anything for Captain Laris. Castian is running into the galley. He's laying her on the table- knocking off like some dishes that he's left there that he told Laris that he'd pick up later. And he's going to the medical bag and he's pulling out like a scanner, just things. And he's trying to figure out what's going on. Roll me medicine. This is going to be a hard roll and I am upgrading two of those to reds. Okay. And I'm going to upgrade my two green into two yellows. One success. So I'm just trying to figure out if she's dying, if she's de- like, what's going on? Like the scanner's there. I'm pretty sure it's her cybernetic that's the problem. I was going to say, because you are using medical equipment, she's fine. So she's not dying, but she's unresponsive. Yes. And according to your medical equipment, there's no reason for her to be non-responsive. Boat, boat, get in here. It's a, it's a damn cybernetic. I need your, I need your brain. Bone comes back over the communications. Do you want him to fly the ship or do you want him to help with Laris? Uh, I come back here now. It'll only take a, a couple minutes. And a moment later, Bone rolls into the galley. He's going to basically be digging through a drawer of wires because everybody has a drawer of wires. But luckily for him, Laris is very organized. So they're all very much like, you know, wrapped up, organized, labeled. And he pulls out the one where he can basically hook Bone up to her cybernetic so he can try to get a read of like what's going on. Bone got one success and one advantage. So he is feeding you information regarding Laris's cybernetics. And while he doesn't have high enough clearance to access some parts of her systems, because of course the Empire wanted to make sure that she was on lockdown, she is honestly in some ways a more valuable asset than you were, Castian, just with what is physically in her implants and thus inside her brain. But Bone is able to tell you that there's an information overload in her system, and it's like when a computer is faced with too much information and locks up. Her cybernetics have locked up, but her cybernetics are so intertwined with her nervous system that it sent her physical body into lockup as well, or shock. All right, okay, okay, okay. Um, can you Can you clear the cache? It's not a stupid question. Can, can you... Can you- Make it unlocked. Okay, 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 okay. So you can't do that. She's down for for how long? What do you mean this could be permanent? I know she needs a cyberneticist, but if we take her to the core, then then the Empire's going to know. <sighs> and Cassian's going to grab his head and look around and says, okay, think, 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 think. Okay, we could try an illegal cyberneticist 
but they're not going to know how to fix this. If you can't take her to a, a, an illegal cyberneticist, and you can't take her to a legal cyberneticist, take her to a retired cyberneticist. No, think about it. We, do we still have that database from the Tenth Brothership? And Castian is going to pick up Laris and carry her as he walks to Laris's room, set her down, and then go to her terminal. And he's signing in as Castian because it's not the first time he's had to access her terminal. It's locked some like personal files of hers down, but he can get to like the memory core. Okay, this is what I'm thinking, Angela. The Tenth Brother, he was an Inquisitor, and yes, Inquisitors hunted down. For sensitives and stuff, but they also dealt with some rebels. They had access to the ISB database as well. Castian is looking up any cyberneticists that worked for the Empire that retired, that left, that weren't detained or killed or executed for being resistance or rebellion, but retired. But the Empire was maybe worried that they were a little bit, you know, they should keep an eye on them just in case that they had sympathies. So he's looking for a sympathetic retired cyberneticist. Why don't you give me a Knowledge Core Worlds check? Average difficulty. And can I have a boost dice because of a bone and and the database that we're using? Take two boost dice. Four successes. Wow. You easily navigate to this portion of the database that has the list of retired cyberneticists. And it's a fairly extensive list that covers a wide period of time. Some of these people have retired 20, 30 years ago. Who knows if they're even actually still alive? Okay, scroll through this slowly. Okay, we go, okay, uh, Corellia. Corellia, no, that's too close. That's too close. Uh, this one is on Coruscant. He's, look at the hospital, and that's in, he's on pretty much hospice at this point. Coruscant, Coruscant. Hey, hey go, no, no, go back, go back there. Alderaan. Riston Astor. Last known address on Alderaan. A retired cyberneticist who worked for the Empire, retired only six months before this database was last backed up. So that was about two years ago? Yes. Well, I know it's in the core, but I think I can get us on Alderaan. Yeah, just get the ship up into space and set a course. But before that, I need to send a message via the holonet. No, 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 this needs to be a conversation. So just get us up there and get me into the holonet. Uh, Skidder, how are we doing on the pallets? The pallets have all been delivered, sir, with my usual... And Castian is going to... He's making sure Laris is strapped down as comfortable as possible. And then him and Bone are going to the cockpit. Bone is taking us up in the air as long as there's no difficulty. Not at all. And Castian's accessing the holonet, and he is sending a communication. The holonet connection rings two, three times, and then a very familiar face appears. She's not looking at the camera, so you just see her in profile as she is reading something, and it says in a distracted voice, Yes, you have reached Cerise Nabella. Hi. We clock swipe to... A view of the howling Gundark out in space as it jumps to hyperspace. And then the camera pans down, back onto Ord Mantell, and we swipe once more to the warehouse. The warehouse where Laris and you met Azores. And approaching that warehouse is a stormtrooper. 
the stormtrooper stops in front of the guards and says, I'm here to see Azaras. The guards just nod him in. The stormtrooper approaches, walks into the warehouse and looks around before spotting Azaras standing kind of in just in the where we left him. <laughs> oh, what are you doing here so soon? Sir, you hired my services in order to make sure that your shipment uh, arrived at that vessel without problems. Yes, yes. There seems to be a problem, sir. The jovial smile that was almost permanently on Azorez's face fades. What do you mean? When we stopped the vessel, they identified themselves as ISB agents. What? We let them through, but they seem to leave the planet in a haste. Is the tracker still activated? Yes, sir. Their coordinates do not match them heading off towards Imperial Central, sir. Then where are they going? Alderaan. Then we shall follow. Yes, sir. We'll follow. We? And we pan back outside of the warehouse, watching those two guards, who don't even flinch when you hear the sound of blaster fire inside the warehouse. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Flight Risk Podcast is a Star Wars actual play crime dramedy set during the Old Republic era, where an eccentric group of mercenaries are thrust into the dark and violent world of organized crime. As agents of an enigmatic count, they traverse the Outer Rim and attempt to not only survive, but to find their destinies without losing what's left of their souls. Subscribe at flightrisk.simplecast.fm.